When growing up in Nigeria, in high school, one thing I disliked the most was running. And every year in the hot African weather, um, the principal of my school would randomly decide that it's a great idea to get all the students in the school to run relays and marathons just for the entertainment of their own parents. For some of you guys in high school, you guys probably love running. I think John hated running. Brooke loves running. Uh, but for me and my friends, every year that we ran, that was the worst moment of our life. Because every year, we would have to show the whole world and our parents that we're very slow at running. We would have to show the world that our parents that we're not strong enough, fast enough, good enough, or clever enough to be on a marathon. But fast forward 12 years later, I find myself running another marathon with you brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love this marathon. The marathon that we are running together as a church and not against each other as, as in high school is a marathon completely different from the marathon of this world. And Paul, the author of our book tonight, 2 Corinthians, also ran his own Christian marathon many years ago. And tonight, we're going to learn again and remind ourselves of the race we are running together in Christ. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Just two verses. It says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Hear it again. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, has anointed us with you, and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And the main point for our text tonight is set your hope in the author and finisher of your salvation. Set your hope in the author and finisher of your salvation. The first point is, it is God who establishes us in Christ. And the second point is, it is God who guarantees and finishes our salvation in Christ. So let's take a look at verse 21. He says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. So for historical context, 2 Corinthians is actually Paul's fourth letter to the Christians in Corinth. And from previous letters Paul has written to them, we know that the Christians there are struggling. Paul spent time in his letter warning them, encouraging them to flee from sexual immorality, to flee from favoring one leader above the other, to flee from division, to flee from the worship of false gods, calling them to live a life of repentance and faith in Jesus. You know, many of the Christians, they received Paul's letter and they refused to repent. They said, who is Paul? He has no authority over us. Who is he? Where is he? We want to run our own Christian marathon our own way. And in 2 Corinthians 7 and 2, we learn that Paul actually pays them a painful visit a visit that caused him pain, but also it's a visit that caused him to rejoice because they repented. 
and they continue to live by faith in Christ. But today in our verse, Paul says something very new. He says, it is God who has established us with you in Christ. So us is Paul and Timothy, Paul himself, and you, the Christians in Corinth. Paul is teaching them that as he runs his race in Christ, he is holding their hands. Paul is holding the hands of Christians who once upon a time rejected his teaching. Paul is teaching them that as a church, and we as a church are united. We are adopted into one eternal family. It is God who has established us with you in Christ. Paul relates himself with them as brothers and sisters in the same body. And Paul is reminding us today as a church that we are holding the hands of brothers and sisters, but sinful brothers and sisters in the church that love Jesus, reminding each other of the good news of the gospel. And praise God, guys. I think praise God because as a church, I believe we are growing in this. Every Sunday, we gather together to worship holding hands. Every Wednesday, the women meet together to learn how to hold hands together weekly. Every Thursday, as, as uh, Patrick mentioned, the men hold hands together. We read through the book of Mark. And we remind ourselves each week that Jesus, the one who has saved us and given us eternal life, is our hope and identity. Praise God. Praise God that though we are weak, we are seeking to hold hands together because we know that the Christian life is not a lone wolf mission. It's a life of a collection of sinners who love Jesus and we are guided by God's word, by scripture. God instructs our walk in Christ. So a question we can think about is, Whose hands am I holding as I follow Jesus? In this room, whose hands am I holding as I follow Jesus? Or do I need someone to hold my hands? Am I struggling to follow Jesus? Am I struggling with a particular sin or issue or problems back at home? If this is you and you need wisdom, I would encourage you to talk to our elders, Pastor Doug, John, Oliver, Ask them, brothers, how can I hold hands with other brothers and brothers and sisters in this church? How can I hold hands and love Jesus? How can you hold my hand? And thankfully, God has given us elders that know his word, bless them with wisdom, to instruct us according to his will, faithfully. Another way we can hold hands is verse 11 of the same chapter. Paul says, Pray regularly for each other. Pray for your, for your brother and sister. Pray for each other during the week. That's why we have a membership book. We pray for each other because we are in one family. Pray for the elders in our church. Pray that God will sustain them and equip them as they lead us in Christ. We are one family established by God. Paul doesn't forget something. Though they are running the marathon in Christ and they are brothers and sisters still, Paul says in verse 21, it is God. It is God who began this marathon and has accomplished this marathon in Christ. He says in 20, 
it is through Jesus that all the promises of God are fulfilled, including our prayers. Jesus ran the perfect marathon, which is God's standard. God's standard is perfection. Our God, all the Bible, is holy, holy, holy. And Psalm 5 says he cannot dwell or delight in wickedness. So, for any of us in this room to be with the holy God, blood had to be shed. God gave up his beloved son so that you and I could have a relationship with him. Jesus died on the cross and resurrected so that we can have eternal life through faith in Jesus. It's not by our wisdom, our status, or how good we are, but it's by Jesus. The race we are running now together as a church has already been won by Christ. And it's by the famous song we sing almost every Sunday. Jesus paid it all and all to him I. Oh, right? So as we won this pilgrim race together, we set our hope never on us. Because if it's on us, we are failed. We can't meet God's standard. But God, it is God through Jesus who has, has finished the mission of our salvation. And then Paul writes again in verse 21 and 22. It says, this is your new identity. So take a look at, at that uh, verse, those two verses. He says, it is God who has anointed us and sealed us together in Christ. The word anointing and sealing are symbolic acts used in the Old Testament performed on kings and priests and people who were chosen by God to be God's people. For example, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were chosen by God to be God's people and a witness to the rest of the world around them that they belong to the living God. Therefore, they were to live a certain way. Therefore, they were to live a life pursuing holiness, imaging the character of the Heavenly Father. And it doesn't stop there. And so are we as God's children. Because God has accomplished salvation for us in Christ, John 1.12 says, I love this verse so much, it says, those who believe in Jesus now have the right to be called the children of God. As a church, as Christians holding hands together, looking to Jesus, we belong to God. That's our status. We are sanctified, washed, cleansed, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, but by the sacrifice of Jesus. And it is through the same death and resurrection that we have God's Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, verse 22, as a guarantee of our standing before God. If we have the Holy Spirit, then how come sometimes we find ourselves doubting? Why do we doubt? Last week I was doubting too. I also doubt like, man, like my life is so different from my friends on campus. But I think in this text today, there's, an, there's a reminder for us. God wants us to look back. He says, well, look at your life. I have transformed you through the power of my spirit. You are not the same person you were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago. I have transformed you. I have given you 
new hearts with, with new desires to fight sin. I have caused you to delight in holiness. I have given you abundant joy in the gospel. I have cared for you. I provided for you. Like a nursing mother, I have fed you. Therefore, therefore, set your hope as you run your mouth on together in Christ. Therefore, walk out your salvation in fear and trembling. Therefore, pursue holiness. Therefore, let your public life match your private life. Therefore, surrender yourself to the conviction of my word. Therefore, seek to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And therefore, finally, set your hope in me, the author and finisher of your salvation, because I have established you. You are my child and I am your father. The one who has always been for you for all eternity says, be bold and confident in me. Because I, who began the work in you, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Therefore, as we continue holding hands together, hoping and trusting in Jesus Christ, we set our hope on the author and finish our salvation. He is the one who would uphold us by the very power that raised Jesus Christ from death.